Welcome to the session. Thank you, everyone, for pressing out. We just believe in God for a time of insight and understanding. Now, we're going to trust the Holy Spirit to just reveal important and powerful truths uh, that help us in everyday life. Amen. Well, again, we're going to uh, pick up with hearing the voice of God, uh, specifically uh, in our spirit. And so uh, let's go a little deeper, praise God, and begin to uh, dig deeper to understand how God speaks to us, praise God, specifically in our spirit. We're going to talk about being led by the Spirit of God and what is called, you, and you want, to, you want to mark this, but this is called the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, okay? So we're going to, we're going to begin to talk about the inward witness of the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, can someone tell me what a witness is? Okay. Think about a, a courtroom situation. What is a witness? Anybody, what y'all think? Someone who who um who saw a, a specific thing happen or know of a specific situation firsthand. Okay, okay, that's a good one. Okay, someone who saw something. Okay, another thought. What else does a witness do? Somebody said that they want you to come and be a witness. Uh, what are they saying? They want you to come and testify. That's right, testify. So a witness stands as a, a witness or stands as an evidence of truth, and because of their stance of being exposed to something, uh, they're called forth to testify or to speak up on behalf of truth. Okay? And so a witness is someone who speaks up on behalf of truth. So when we talk about the inward witness of the Holy Spirit, when we get into this teaching, I want you to think about that in light of him, someone who speaks up, okay, as a witness in behalf of truth. Praise God, okay? Well, we're going to start. We were talking about the three-level um, building last time, flesh, soul being in the middle, spirit being on bottom, ground level, okay? Now, <clears throat> If you can recall from uh, the teaching from a week and a half, roughly two weeks ago, because uh, we didn't, you know, get last line, but uh, from a week before last week, we were talking about how that God communicates to us in our spirit. Praise God. And I was going to move on, but uh, Vanessa, she asked an important question, and she was wondering, okay, exactly how do you hear God in your spirit? And so I just wanted to dedicate a little time to really just bring in clarity to that and understanding. Now, let me say this. Regardless of whether you may never have, you know, um, you know an out-of-body experience, caught up, angelic visitation, you know, these things are, are graces that we can press into. But just because you don't have these experiences does not mean that God is not speaking to you. And it doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to hear. And so when we're discovering just the greater expressions or the various expressions of the gifts of the Spirit, um, realize that, you know, to say that because I'm not having these supernatural dramatic encounters, I can't hear from God, is not accurate. Okay? God has a sure way. He has a, a common denominator with all of his children. There is, a, there, is a, um, there is a way that God speaks to us all that has nothing to do with our calling, that has nothing to do with uh, the prophetic ministry, but it has everything to do with sonship. It has everything to do with being born in him and, and, and coming out of the womb of the Spirit 
and entering into a relationship with God as a son or as a daughter of God. And the way that God speaks to us all, it doesn't matter if you're apostle, prophet, um, you know, housewife, you know, mom, it, it doesn't even matter. As long as you're born again, there is a common way that God speaks to us all. And the common way that he speaks to us is through the inner or inward witness of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And we're about to cover that. Turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to start at verse number 14. Praise God. Romans eight fourteen. I'll start at 12. Praise God, because 12 keeps it in contact. This is Paul. This is what he says. He says, therefore, brethren, he says, therefore, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Okay. Then he says, for if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if we through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, we shall live. Verse 14 is an emphatic truth. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so when we look at this particular truth right here, we want to pull out something real quick, is that in verse 12 and 13, he was talking about in our previous life, we were led according to our flesh. But now being born again, we're called to, um, to not live after the flesh, but to be led by the spirit. Now, I want you to see the Holy Spirit as a shepherd, because when you talk about being led by someone, you're talking about being willing or being able to voluntarily submit yourself to someone's leadership. And, and see, if you really look at this particular text, it gives us understanding of the, the gentle nature of the Holy Spirit. He will lead us if we're willing to follow, okay? The Holy Spirit's method of ministry is not constraint, it's not control, it's not threats, it's not coercion, and it's not fear, and it's not guilt, okay? But he simply presents himself before us, and then he moves, okay? He's, he makes himself apparent to us throughout the day, and then he, he guides us, and he seeks to, he moves, he leads us in a certain direction. And at that point, because, you know, in order to be led, we have to be willing to follow. We have the option to either move with him or to stand still or to go in the opposite direction. He says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 15, for you have not, okay, this is the conjunction, for you have not receive the spirit of bondage. Okay? Y'all see that? For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. And you may ask yourself, what does this have to do with being led by the spirit? Okay? Because most of the time, the Holy Spirit can present himself and make himself apparent to us, even in our spirit. But we will not step out in faith and, and flow with him because we fear that it's not him. Okay. And that fear creates a bondage. Okay. Fear is like a cage. It becomes a prison. 
okay? It becomes, a, you know, a maximum security prison that keeps you from going anywhere or from walking with God and flowing with God and, and going further and being led by the Spirit. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that Satan himself uses the tool of fear to keep people in bondage their entire lives. So fear brings bondage. Say that with me. Fear brings bondage. Fear brings brings bondage. Okay. Can anyone tell me what the opposite of fear is? Faith. Faith, okay. So if fear brings bondage, faith brings what? Freedom. Freedom. That's right. Freedom, the reciprocal. If fear brings bondage, then faith brings liberty. Okay? And so the first principle that's important when it comes to being led by the Lord or led by the Spirit of God in our spirit is to realize that we cannot go anywhere bound by fear. We can't have a mindset that's, that's, that's expecting to miss it expecting to be deceived. You can't go into the thing and tune it into God already thinking that you're hearing wrong. Okay? Because all that does is create bondage. Okay? And see, when we try to operate from that position, y'all, we're operating out of the flesh because we're looking for sense realm evidence in order to know him. And the Lord said, as many as are led by my spirit, that they are my sons. Praise God. So let's read on that. He says, but you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But we have received the spirit of adoption. And so, listen, when we got born again, when you received the Holy Spirit, you were born into a royal family. In other words, a spiritual adoption took place. We who were once afar off, as Paul said in the book of Ephesians, have been made near by his blood. And we have received the spirit of adoption. We have received sonship. We have received a connection and reconciled back to the Father. And so inside of each and every one of us, despite of how we feel, how inadequate we think we are about hearing the voice of God, inside of each and every one of us is the inherent ability to know the Father. Because you have been born, listen, you have been born of or out of the womb of the spirit of adoption. Now, this is all the Holy Spirit. This is just a different adjective for for him to describe the work that he did in us when he regenerated us. Okay? And so it says we have received the spirit of adoption, and by this spirit of adoption, we cry, Abba, Father. Now let me explain this, okay? Your human spirit is the you that has been brought to life when you accepted Jesus Christ. Your human spirit was brought to life a son or a daughter of God. And your human spirit has been brought to life, listen, with the inherent ability to communicate with the Father and to know the voice of the Father 
and to also receive from God's voice. That all comes with the package of being born again. This is not something you have to work for. This is not something we have to strive to try to get. This is what was afforded to us by the grace of God. This is unmerited favor given to us via resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Praise God. Amen. And so it should bring some comfort to the heart that you don't have to worry about not being good enough for God to speak to you or you not being you're not knowing what to do in order to be worthy enough or qualified to hear him. Okay? The biggest struggle that keeps you from hearing him in your spirit is your fear that you can't hear. Mm. The quickest way to clear up the voice of God in your spirit is to embrace this truth right here and to allow faith to triumph over fear. Faith puts you in the position of rest, okay? And how many know that it's hard to pay attention to anything if you're surrounded by chaos and confusion, okay? Mm-hmm. If you've got a lot going on, a lot on your plate, a lot going on around you, a lot of distractions, then it's hard for you to tune in to one specific voice. And so when it comes to hearing the voice of God, the greatest place to be and to be able to hear him clearly is resting in God's promise or resting in God's word that you already have the ability to hear him by the grace of God. In other words, your faith puts you in a position to open up the ram of communication with heaven. Praise God. And so he says, but in verse number uh, 16, this is what we want to get to, he said that the spirit, itself does what? Testify. That's right. Testify bears witness. The Holy Spirit bears witness with whose spirit? Our spirit. Our spirit. spirit. Okay. So there's a distinction here between the Holy Spirit and whose spirit? Our spirit, right? Now, why is this tied in to being led by the Spirit of God, verse 14, because this is all in context together. He went ahead and said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Then he told us, listen, that we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but inherently we have been born of God, and we come into the kingdom with the supernatural ability to hear from our Father intelligently and to be led by him. And then he goes on to tell us, listen, that it is the spirit that bears witness with our spirit. In other words, in verse 16, this is what he said. This is how the Holy Spirit leads you. He leads you through the inner witness of truth. Okay? Now, what did we say that a witness was? Someone who speaks on behalf of the truth. That's right. Someone who speaks or stands up to testify on behalf of truth. Okay? In this particular context, this is dealing with a person that has been bo- gotten born again, but they struggle with the idea of, am I really saved? And the Bible says that when you begin to struggle with inadequacies about your worth, about who you are, about, you know, because sometimes we don't do everything like we should, and the enemy will bring guilt and condemnation and shame. So this verse is saying 
that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. In other words, because you have released your faith in Jesus Christ and been born of him, the Spirit of God on the inside of you will begin to bear witness. Okay? It will begin to testify in your heart or in your spirit that, hey, you're saved, that, hey, you're God's child. You know, you change, that you do belong to him. Okay? So when we talk about the inner witness, let's go a little deeper right here. We're talking about how the Lord leads us, how he guides us, and he leads us and guides us by the inner witness of truth. Okay. Now notice what he said right here, verse 16. The spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Bearing witness. I want you to keep that in mind because we're going to work with that. Bearing witness. What this means is that the Holy Spirit supernaturally communicates with your human spirit to tell you the truth about a thing, okay, or to give you direction or to give you insight or to lead you and guide you in a situation. So what we have to do, people of God, we have to begin to tune in to the witness of truth on the inside of us. Because all throughout our life and all throughout the day, the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of God is going to be bearing witness with our spirit. Now, listen, I want, you to, I want to share this with you because we're dealing with hearing the voice of God. If someone is testifying or bearing witness of truth, that means that that particular person is also exposing what? What's the opposite of truth? Lies. 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 Exactly. So the Holy Spirit on the inside of you through the inner witness okay, will let you know when something is true, will let you know when something is, is a lie. Listen, will, will let you know when a decision is right, will also let you know when a decision that you're thinking about is wrong. Now, what makes the Holy Spirit a trustworthy God? Because he is the spirit of the living God. He's omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. So he knows the complete past. He knows everything that's going on in the present. He knows everything that's going on in the future. And when he is bearing witness to you, he is looking past, present, and future and culminating all the knowledge that exists and revealing the truth to you about the situation. Praise God. So it is the spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the Holy Spirit is a trustworthy witness. Okay. Now, let's go, let's take this a little further real quick. Okay. Let's talk about the spirit of man a little deeper. Go to, um, let's go to Romans chapter number nine. Okay, the first verse. And while you're turning, let's just establish this. The Lord does not, he's not limited to speaking through words. Okay? When we talk about the witness of truth, we're talking about God, oh God, we're talking about the Lord and the Holy Spirit releasing knowledge to your inner man, releasing a knowing, releasing an unction, 
releasing an inner impression and an inner witness reality of truth, of right and wrong in a given situation. Okay? So we're not talking about all the time hearing literal words in your spirit because the witness of truth of the Holy Spirit transcends words. Okay? God can, in other words, the Holy Spirit, because he is in our human spirit, he can draw near. Oh, God, thank you for this definition. I want to read this definition to you of, um, of being a witness, okay, or bearing witness. The word bear witness means to testify jointly. It means to testify jointly, okay? Now, let me show you what this looks like. In your mind or in your heart, you may be contemplating, uh, should I take this job or is this job from the Lord? Or this person that is coming to, uh, into your life, you know, should I continue to hang out with them or should I cut them off? I'm not really sure about what the will of the Lord is because sometimes I think it may be a God connection and at other times I think it may be the enemy. Okay. So what, what goes on is that when you position your heart to cut them off, and to say, you know what, I think I'm going to cut them off. Then at that moment, you should pay attention to the inside. Because if that is the right decision, what the Holy Spirit will do, he will pull up on the inside of your spirit, and he will jointly testify with your decision. Amen. In other words, he will, he will impress upon you from the inside that, yeah, that's right. And when it, when it does, if you could think about someone standing for you, it should, you should feel strength. You should feel help. You should feel more confidence. You should feel an affirmation of peace, a warmth that this is right. Because the Holy Spirit has made himself known in this situation, and he has jointly testified, you know, with you. Okay, let me show you how this works. It is already understood that the child of God or the daughter of God, the son of God, is wanting to do right. It's wanting to walk in the will of God. Okay? It's wanting truth. It's loving truth. And so when you position your heart to know truth and to do what's right, then the Holy Spirit will always, on the inside of you, pull up the rear, position himself beside you, and bear witness to truth. And the reason he does that is to give you confidence that this is the will of the Lord for your life, that you're doing the right thing, that you're, 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 you're sensitive and you're hearing, you're discerning the Lord's will correctly. Okay. Now listen, if there is no witness of truth, if he does not jointly testify with you from within, then that should be an indicator that, hey, this is not God's will. If you sense on the inside that there is no agreement with the Holy Spirit when it comes to your decision and you're standing alone in this decision, then chances are that whatever decision that is is not the right. And so Romans chapter 9, verse 1, let's take this a little deeper. Okay. He's, this is Paul talking. He said, I do what? I say the truth in Christ, and I lie not. 
And look at what he said. My conscience also bearing me witness in what? The Holy Ghost. See that? Mm-hmm. Powerful statement. But he's given us insight about the operations of the Spirit. So now we see, y'all, that the Holy Spirit uses our conscience to guide us. Paul said that I speak the truth in Christ, and I lie not. In other words, I'm speaking the truth according to what I believe. And I know that I'm not lying about what I'm speaking, because I have a witness on the inside of me from the Holy Spirit telling me that this is right. Okay? I have, a, I have an inner agreement from God himself who dwells in my spirit, letting me know that I'm on the right track. And what he is doing, he is using my conscience to confirm it to me. Amen? Y'all see that? Amen. Okay. And so your conscience becomes a tool, becomes a navigation system that the Holy Spirit uses to communicate to you intelligent understanding of what his will is. For your life. Because your conscience is in your soul. Remember, the leadership starts off in your spirit. And so when it hits your spirit, the Holy Spirit bears witness of that truth in your spirit and causes it to rise intelligently to your mind, to your will, and to your emotions. So that you can intelligently understand that, hey, this is a leading to do this, or this is a leading not to do that. So your conscience itself is given by God, praise God, as a a tool that God uses to navigate us. When we submit our conscience, listen, to the Holy Spirit. Because remember what Paul said. He said, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So his witness was still in the Spirit because he was properly submitted to God. His mind, will, and emotions to the Holy Spirit. And as a result, the Holy Spirit began to use his conscience to lead him and guide him. So how do you know that you're speaking the truth? How do you know that you're doing the truth? Okay. You have to ask yourself, is the Holy Spirit bearing me witness? What is my conscience saying? Because if I'm properly surrendered to God, then the Holy Spirit will begin to witness certain things in my spirit and cause these things to rise up in my conscience. And when you begin, listen, and when you begin to make a move outside of the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, once he testifies of truth that, hey, this is my way, if you begin to go in a different direction, it is your conscience that lets you know, hey, you're going opposite of what God has spoken. Okay. After you get the witness of truth on the inside of your spirit and, and, and you get in agreement and you begin to walk out in the perfect will of God what has been revealed to you, it is your conscience that lets you know, hey, you're doing the right thing. So he says, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Okay. In the Holy Ghost. And so here again, your conscience, as a born-again believer, has been redeemed, has been restored, has been revived, has been renovated 
and has been activated, and God uses our conscience, praise God, to lead us and guide us, to speak to us. And so when we're walking throughout the day, we have to be sensitive to the inner witness of the Holy Ghost within, and we have to be sensitive to our conscience, because God uses both to give us direction in life. He will bear witness by his spirit to our spirit, and after we receive that witness in our spirit, that witness will be transferred to the second floor our soul arena, where our conscience is. Okay. And when we begin to move and act, our conscience will let us know. So you just, so here's the thing right here. It's safe to say as a born-again believer, when we go against the conscience that is submitted or surrendered to the Holy Spirit, we are going against God's will. And when we learn to, to not violate the law of our conscience, we're learning to prove what is good and acceptable in the will of God. Now, let's look at a particular verse, something that Job said. Go to Job chapter 32, verse 8. Job 32, 8. Powerful verse. This is what it says. But there is a spirit in man. There's a spirit in you. And the Bible says, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. There is a spirit in man. And he said it is the inspiration of the Almighty that gives them understanding. So your spirit man and my spirit man is what the Bible calls the hidden man, the inner man, the spirit man, or the the hidden man of the heart. According to this particular verse right here in Job, it was always God's intent to breathe life into your spirit. And because inspiration is ruach, it's breath, it's ghost, it's life. Okay? Inspiration means to be inspired by. It's hot off the press. It's God breathed. So it is by God breathing into our spirit that we receive life into our spirit. Okay. I'm going to say that again. It is by God breathing or speaking to our spirit that we receive life into our spirit. It is by God breathing or speaking life into our spirit because breathing and speaking to God are synonymous. You find that in John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus said, <clears throat> that the words that I speak, they are spirit, breath, ghost, and they are life. So anytime God breathes, he is communicating life. He is speaking to our spirit. And notice what the end of this verse in Job says. Once God begins to release inspiration to us on the inside of us, then it begins to give us understanding. And listen, if after God breathes, we began to increase in understanding. That means that in the process or in between him breathing and in between us receiving understanding, there must be knowledge that's being communicated because you cannot receive understanding where no knowledge is available. Okay? But when we look at this verse closely, 
we don't see the verse talking about knowledge. We see him saying inspiration being given, again, which is breath, which is ruah, which is life. Okay? And, I'm go- and the reason we're going here is, is because you, we have to understand that when God speaks to us, he suddenly causes us to know a thing. Okay? So it's not necessarily words when it comes to the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. If he suddenly pulls up the rear, testifies with you, and causes you to know a thing. You just know it on the inside. Well, how do you know it? I don't know, but I know it. <laughs> you know. And see, the mind wants to try to explain it, but the way that you classify that, you classify that as the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. This is how he communicates. He communicates inspiration. In other words, there's something, it was like a subtle wind blew, like a certain illumination, a certain impartation of life just kind of hit your spirit all of a sudden, just entered into your gut and entered into your inner man, and all of a sudden you knew. You knew. But see, in the midst of you knowing and getting that sudden jolt, that sudden impression, and that sudden revelation from the Holy Ghost, you still got your mind to deal with. Your thoughts. Well, what if this and what if that? And you, you know, the mind that tries to figure things out. So as quickly as the inner witness of the Holy Spirit can communicate truth to your inner man, your thoughts or the enemy speaking to your mind could be telling you, man, you're tripping. You're a lie. You're just making stuff up. You know God ain't spoke to you. Okay? And so what happens is we have to renew our mind to the way that God speaks in order mm-hmm. to take captive the thoughts in our mind that's telling us that God ain't really talking to us, that we're talking to ourselves. Mm-hmm. He'll tell you, you're making it up. That ain't God. Because then he'll try to define the voice of the Lord, because if it was God, then you would, you would hear this, or you would feel that, or you would experience that, and you would do that. And see, when you listen to that voice, you allow that voice to become truth instead of God's word. Okay? Listen, and, the, and that voice is trying to rob you of the simplicity of hearing from it. And what does he use to justify or to lie to us that God is not speaking to us? He, he, listen, he uses your shortcomings. You hadn't fasted enough. You hadn't prayed enough. Well, you hadn't been in your word enough. So why would God talk to you? You know that ain't God talking to you. You're just making it up. You ain't been to church in three weeks. <laughs> you know? And see, by the time we get through listening to the voice of the enemy, and let me explain this right here. God does not speak to us because we do stuff. He speaks to us because we're his children mm-hmm. and because he loves us. God communicates to us because we're his children. That's it. Remember, he sent forth the spirit of a son into our heart, crying, Abba, Father. Once you become born again, he's going to speak to you. He's speaking to your heart every day. He's speaking to our spirit. Now, when Jesus said this in the, in the garden when he was tempted, he said that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That shall man live by. Okay? 
What he was saying is that God's voice becomes bread. Just like bread is a vital source of life for nutrients to the physical body, the voice of the Lord, okay, is, is bread, is food for the inner man. It is strength for the inner man. So in other words, we need a constant impartation of inspiration from the Almighty in order to stay healthy and strong daily. He speaks to our spirit. This is why you hadn't lost hope. This, listen, this is why when situations turn for the worst, you still stand and you can still move on and you can still go forth. And you can still maneuver through and, you know, and press it into his presence. And, you know, it's because he has been witnessing or speaking to your spirit in the midst of it all. You may not have heard literal words, but there were some things you, you just knew on the inside. You were in a situation, and you got through crying, and there were a lot of tears, and all of a sudden a, a truth just popped up, and you just knew, and you just felt the warmth and the peace of God and the love of God and the comfort of God, and all of a sudden on the inside you just knew. It was like a voice told you that everything was going to be all right. You just had a peace about it. And you just knew that God was going to work it out. Well, you didn't hear a voice that told you God was going to work it out. You received the witness of truth on the inside. Of, of love and of security. And, and that love and security and that inner witness of the Holy Spirit began to speak to you. And what it was interpreted as in your mind is that it's, everything's okay. God's got me, and he's going to work it out. And if you can hear God in situations like that, and if God can witness to your spirit about that, he can witness to your spirit about anything else. And make sure that you are led in God and that you have his heart and that you have his counsel on the situation. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Now, as a general rule, what you want to do, you want to become infatuated with the witness of truth. You, in other words, you want to get to the point to where it doesn't matter who's speaking where they're coming from, where you are, how many degrees they have, and what's going on, you have to begin to fine-tune your ear to, dis to discern the witness of truth within. Because if you can begin to tune in to the witness of truth, you can always hear the voice of God and receive a present lead. Okay. You can, you can always stay on the path of life. And in a sense, what you have to do, you have to conclude in your heart and in your mind that nobody's really telling the truth of him. You know, I'm going to say that again. We have to conclude to increase our premium of value of his voice that, hey, he is the spirit of truth. He leads and guides in all truth. So nobody has a handle on truth but him. So it doesn't matter if I'm listening to sermons on TV or to somebody preaching. I'm not listening to the person or to the people. I'm looking and listening for him. And I'm paying attention to the inside of my spirit, and I'm waiting for him to testify jointly that, hey, this is me talking. This is me speaking. This is me leading. 
And check this out, y'all. Even when we release our own words, if our words are not lining up with the truth or what the Father's will is, he will even check us pertaining to ourselves. That's, that's what was going on with Paul. Paul said, I speak the truth in Christ Jesus and lie. He was talking. And as he began to talk, the witness of truth on the inside of him began to bear witness. Say, hey, this is the Father's will. Okay? Why is this so important, y'all? It's because the witness of truth is something that you don't have to go praying about to receive. It's there. It's there every day. It's there in every situation. It's there in every moment. It's there 24-7. Okay. Because remember, his responsibility is to lead us and guide us into all truth. So that means that he has to be active and operative and working and, and doing that 24-7 in order to be able to lead us and guide us in all truth. Our dilemma is, is that we tune in sometimes more than we do at other times, and sometimes we don't tune in at all. And so he's bearing witness and he's testifying, but we're not listening. Wow. And we're not trusting on the inside. We'll allow our, our flesh and our circumstances and the world to speak louder than the witness of truth within. Listen, just because someone lifts their, their voice louder doesn't mean that that person is right. Okay? Just because someone raises the volume or, or increases the clamor or, or increases the volume with more authority doesn't mean that they're telling the truth. Why am I saying that? Because oftentimes the louder voice is the voice of the enemy and the voice of the world. And the witness of truth is just like a whisper and a subtle, gentle knowing on the inside. Sometimes we discredit the witness of truth because it comes so softly, so gently, so calmly, so peacefully. And we're saying, now, if this was the way, Surely there would have been thunder. Surely there would have been light. Surely the house would have shook. You know. Surely I would have heard this. And so because the witness of truth is oftentimes just that, a witness with our spirit. And it does not come as dramatic as some of the outward communications of the world and of the enemy. We cannot think that it is a valid word from the Lord or a valid voice of the Lord or a valid way that he communicates. But listen, it is the most valid and the most frequent and the most trustworthy and the most consistent. You've got to get used to knowing what you know, not understanding why you know it. You've got to get used to knowing what you know and not being able to explain it with your mind. You've got to get used to trusting what you know on the inside that the Spirit of God witnesses to you is his word, his will, and what is right without having words to prove it. Okay? See, what happens is once the Holy Spirit witnesses to us on the inside that, hey, this is right, by a gentle peace, a warmth, a love, or a certain knowing. Now, once that thing is communicated from your spirit to your mind, the first thing your mind says is proven. 
Okay, you're saying this has got proof. Okay. And see, when your mind, unrenewed mind does that, when the mind or when the enemy speaking to our mind tells, the, tells us to prove it after the witness of truth has come, what you got to do, you got to be content on the inside with not having to prove. Because what the enemy tells you that if you cannot prove it, it's not credible. What the word of God and the witness of truth say is that I don't have to prove it because I am truth. So the witness of truth, what you do when you're mind, when the enemy tells you, listen, because you can't prove what you know on the inside, it may not be God, or it's probably not God, or, you know, or that's not him, then what you've got to do, you've got to shut that voice down, and you've got to tell that voice speaking to you that, hey, I don't have to prove anything. He don't have to prove anything because he is God and he is truth all by himself. Truth owes no one an explanation because truth is truth. Praise God. And the Bible says it is this, oh, yeah, no one of y'all looking at me like that. Go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. Praise God. Getting ahead of myself. 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. 1 John, 1 John 5, verse 6. Let's look at what the Bible says about the spirit of truth. Okay. First John five six. First John five six says, "This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood." And look at what He says: "It is the Spirit." There go that term again. That does what? Beareth witness. Why does the Spirit bear witness? What's that last part? Because the spirit okay. is true. Because the spirit is true. So the spirit doesn't just communicate truth. The spirit himself is truth. And so the spirit, who is truth, does not owe our carnal, natural mind an explanation when he speaks and when he testifies. The spirit within you does not owe the enemy's accusations or demonic thoughts in our mind telling us it's not him. He doesn't owe, he doesn't have to defend himself. And he will not defend himself. What he will do, he will stand, listen, as a joint witness, and he will jointly testify what truth is. And then he will allow you to be in a position between truth and the enemy's voice and give you the option or the opportunity to decide who you're going to believe. The spirit stands firm and stationary because the spirit is true. And once that inner witness enters your heart and you just know something, then all of a sudden that mind gets to working, and that circumstance happens. And then the voice of the world starts talking. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he said, listen, there are many voices in the world. And none of them are not without significance. In other words, there are a lot of voices talking about a lot of different stuff that can cause confusion and clamor. Okay. But what we got to do, we got to get to the point. And this is why I say you have to begin to tune out the other voice and realize that there are no other voices that are a credible source of truth apart from God's spirit. And if you can do that, okay, then what you can do, you can kill the fear 
of missing out. You can kill the fear of, of being led astray or being confused or of it not being him. Because we know he deals with our inner man, praise God, because he says that the spirit is true. Now, the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And we read right here in 1 John chapter 5, for it is the spirit that bears witness because the spirit is truth. Praise God. Now, turn to 1 John chapter number, let's go to chapter number 2 real quick. Same book, second chapter. Praise God. Now, when we look at 2, the whole context of 1 John chapter 2 was about, uh, matter of fact, it was the Apostle John writing to uh, the born-again believers because they were young in the Lord, and he was trying to keep them from deception. You know, they were a young church who, um, you know, were truly born of God, but they really didn't have any, you know, nurture in order to grow, and he was trying to keep them from being deceived because they didn't have all the knowledge that they had about certain things. Okay. And so I want to start right here in verse number, let's go to 20. This is what he says. He says, but you have an auction from the Holy One, and you do what? You know how many things? All things. All things. Okay. Now, listen, y'all. I know your mind instantly said, I don't know. No, you do. He's not talking about your mind. He's talking about your spirit, the position that your spirit is in with Christ and God. In other words, because the Lord himself is omniscient and all-knowing, and we are connected with him, write this verse down just if you're writing verses down. I'm just going to quote it. First Corinthians six seventeen says that he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And so what happens is your human spirit and, your, and the Holy Spirit comes into congruency or in oneness with each other. They become intertwined. And so consequently, everything that the Holy Spirit has, your human spirit now partakes of and has access to. And this is how the witness of truth is given. This is why, you know, you can never be purposing to do something in your heart and the Holy Ghost will not step in on the inside of you and let you know that you're doing right or doing wrong because your spirit and his spirit are now one. Okay. They're joined together. Praise God. And because they're joined together, the Bible says that we have an unction from the Holy One, and we know all things, okay? This means that we have an anointing. An unction means an anointing. It means a smearing, a rubbing, or a divine empowerment, a supernatural empowerment. So what happens is <clears throat> he said we have an unction from the Holy One, and we know all things. He said, I have not written to you because you know not truth, but because you know it and no lie is of the truth. Praise God. And so what the, what the apostle was doing, y'all, he was reaffirming their faith into what they knew on the inside, that they did not have the confidence to trust and believe. In other words, they're in the, they were in the same position as some of us are in. We, we, we get things that we believe are of the Lord, but because we have nothing to prove that it is of the Lord, praise God, we doubt it. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about things that go against sound doctrine of the Scripture, but the truth of the matter is there are decisions that we face in everyday life that there are no specific Scriptures to give us guidance and direction in. 
We know that the Lord will always lead us in the character of his word, but there is not a scripture for every decision that you will face in life. And for decisions that you don't have text for, real-life decisions, God has ordained that his Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us through the inner witness of the Holy Ghost. So you never have to be without leadership. Now, how many can, 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 uh, can be honest to admit that you've made some wrong decisions at times that you saw God on and you felt like God didn't speak to you and you wondered why God didn't speak? You ever been there? You sought God and you prayed and you didn't hear anything? And then you, you made a decision to the best of your ability that you thought it was? Okay. And then it turned out to be the wrong decision. It didn't produce the fruit. There was pain. There was drama. There was foolishness that came behind And a part of you felt like, well, God, if you love me, you would have spoke to me because I did pray and I did ask you. Yeah. You ever been there? Praise God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what happens is, is that in situations like that, we were looking for the Lord to speak in a certain way. Okay. Now, if in those situations you can pay attention as we are learning and growing to the inner witness, you'll find that there's always leadership and guidance there. Listen, y'all, it is the inner witness of the Holy Spirit that governs the prophetic. It governs every supernatural experience. It becomes an acid test for every greater or different or diverse way that God speaks. Let me give you an example, okay? For example, I think I've shared this one before. I was dealing with a prophet, and this prophet had the ability to see angels and demons at all times in the spirit. Okay. As a result, as the Bible says, there are times when Satan himself would appear as an angel of light. So demons were popping up, uh, transforming themselves into angels and trying to trick him and trick me. Praise God. And, uh, and they were, you know, uh, appearing glorious and, and, and pretending to be agents of the kingdom. Uh, but when they would get near, praise God, only inside of me, praise God, there, would be this, that there was this inner witness that, hey, this was not of the Lord. There was this supernatural aggression that began to rise up and try to war with, with what seemed to be beautiful that was standing before. In other words, it was the inner witness of truth. So even though this creature was standing outside of us talking about good things and looking glorious and, and looking promising and looking to be an angel of life, there was a witness on the inside of me that was saying something is not right, and that was trying to war, and that was trying to actually rise up in aggression against this being. Y'all with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what I had to do is that at some point I could have begun to been uh, I could have been put to sleep by the by the by the cap game or by the the conversation of the demon appearing beautiful and glorious. I could have allowed his words to get me to not trust what I knew on the inside, okay? Because what I was discerning and sensing on the inside and what I was hearing on the outside was not lining up, you know. On the inside, you know, there's this war arise. But on the outside, there's, there's you know, it, it looks, looks like it's of the Lord, Okay? Where we miss it at is that we allow others and voices and things that appear on the outside to convince us that we are wrong on the inside. Praise God. Listen, 
with, with, and the reason that this is so wrong is because you have to realize that on the in, inside of you is God himself. So what we're saying is that God is wrong. And what we're saying is that I don't trust, in the, I don't trust that God is in me to that degree. Okay? And I don't trust that I can be led by him, that he can let me. Because remember he says that great is he that is in you and he that is in me. So he is in us. So he on the inside of me, people of God, was telling me that, my son, this is not me. This is a beginner. And even though the brother was over here carrying on thinking that this was an angel, you know what I'm saying, I had the witness of truth. And the witness of truth was telling me this is not true. This is evil. This is false. And so what I learned to do was never compromise what I know on the inside. Right. Okay. I've done that many times, and every time it has come back to haunt me and bite me. So what I began to do is I rebuked it and took authority of it. And that thing began to shift from an angel to a demon in its grotesque form. And then it was looking angry, like it was mad that it had been exposed. And then guess what it did? It left. Um. Now, listen, y'all. If the witness of truth on the inside can give me insight about what's really going on in an invisible world and realm called the spirit, how much more can he navigate us in the affairs of this life? Mm -hmm. If he can tell us what's going on, in the spirit world, with creatures and with everything, and keep us on point there, can he not govern us through the inner witness of truth with the day-to-day situations that we face and the things that we ponder and have questions for daily? I believe, listen, that he is the most credible witness. See, when the Bible says to let God be true, and every man a liar. He's talking about the witness of truth. Because the witness of truth can say, hey, this is what it is. And we can say, well, I don't believe that. I think that's what it is. Okay. Which means that we have, we, we have been, uh, we, we, we've allowed the enemy to get us into that vein of trying to prove something, you know, to the extent that we are discrediting the voice of the Lord. But never, you know, if, when we look at Jesus, the Bible said that he didn't commit himself to any man because he knew what was in man. You don't ever really see him questioning the Father about anything in his relationship with him. Whatever the Father communicated to him in his heart, he took it to the bank, and he said, hey, this is just what it is. And they would try to argue with him and draw him into conversations and, and trip him up in his words, and he, he felt no reason to, uh, you know, to explain himself. He just said, said look, the Father speaketh hitherto, and I speak. It is the Father that said this, because the Father, his definition was, listen, that this is the Father. That was the explanation. It was the Father. And they were angry. They were wanting to get him into long religious debates and and get him to go here and go there, but he refused to do anything or to say anything that was outside 
of what he knew from the Father. Praise God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. Now, there's something that happened. Write this verse down. We got two more verses and we'll close. There's something that happened when we were born again. Okay? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says that now, if you write that verse down, it says that your heart has been sprinkled from an evil conscience, which means that our conscience was corrupted through the fall of Adam. But in Christ Jesus, our conscience has been redeemed. Amen. Praise God. It has been updated. So listen, if your heart has been sprinkled from an evil conscience, that means that the opposite of evil is good. So your conscience in, as a born-again Christian has been made over to do good. Okay. In other words, it navigates you in the way of righteousness according to God's purpose and God's standard. It navigates you inside of God's will. Okay. This is why if, if many of you can just be honest with you, when you got born again, your heart became very soft. And if you can remember after you got born again, there were, there were little things that you didn't want to do anything. You would cry over every, anything and everything, weep over everything. You didn't want to touch that, didn't want to go here, didn't want to do that. Some of us cut off friends. We threw stuff away. You know, in other words, on the inside of us, we didn't want to do anything that would offend God. Now, we came out of the world partying, running the streets, clubbing and doing stuff, and in that vein, we didn't care because our conscience was serious. Why all of a sudden when you get born again, now all of a sudden you're walking on eggshells and you don't want to do anything to hurt them? It's because your conscience has been sprinkled from evil. And God has restored that thing and revived that thing, and he has fine-tuned it to do good according to a standard so that he can use it to navigate us through life. So Hebrews 10.22 says that, Having therefore boldness to enter the whole body by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that doesn't say his flesh, and he says to let us draw near to him with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Praise God. Okay? And so one more text, praise God. Let's go to Luke real quick, verse 24, chapter 24, verse 13. We're going to look at this in action and see what it looks like, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 24. Never override the witness of truth on the inside, y'all. There are things that can look so promising, that can look so right. Then there are things that can look wrong. There are things that can look downright scary. But if, if the witness of truth, and all you have to do is say, Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, what is your will? Lord, should I do this? Should I do that? And once you ask that question, what your mind and heart should do at that moment, you should begin to look down on the inside of you, to pay attention to that stomach area, to that gut area, and this you know, tune your heart, your mind, and become sensitive to the God within and look for the witness of truth. Okay? This is what I do know. Even if it's not clear, when you begin to move in actions to make a decision, if you're going the right way, the peace is going to be increased and it's going to be there. If you begin to move in a wrong direction, 
then he's going to begin to withdraw. You're going to begin to feel some sense of retraction, coldness, or some sense of dread, inner dread. And when that happens, and sometimes your heart may just begin to beat real fast. And you'll just know on the inside that, hey, this is not the Lord's will. So at that point, you just reroute yourself. What happens, y'all, as we practice this and as you practice it, as you grow in it, it becomes a normal way that you're led throughout the day unconsciously without even being trying to, without even trying to do it. See, in the beginning, we have to try to do it because it's something that we've never done, and it's a grace, and it's an area in our life that we've never cultivated before. But as we begin to grow and practice it and utilize and develop in it, it becomes a way of life. And we find ourselves maneuvering through life that way unconsciously, without even thinking, without even effort. You'll begin to be led by the Spirit of God as a son or as a daughter of God. Luke 22, praise God. Let's start at verse 13. Okay? This is the road to uh, Emmaus, powerful story, and it's the most graphic one uh, in the Bible about this particular lead. As a matter of fact, let's make it Luke 24, 13. I'm sorry, I said 22. Luke 24, 13. It says, Behold, two of them, this is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Behold, two of them that same day, behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was of Jerusalem about three furlongs, which was about seven miles. And the Bible says, And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, look what happened, y'all. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Okay? He went with them. Okay? Witness the truth. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk? And I say, So what happened is Jesus himself came and started walking with him, but he appeared as a stranger or in another form. He changed his appearance. And the Bible says that their eyes are holding that they should not know him. And let me explain something to you all, y'all. This is not just talking about their, their physical eyes. This is talking about their ability to perceive him and to know him when he is near and when he is speaking. This is talking about the eyes of our spirit and the eyes of our understanding. You'll see. Praise God. So he talked to him. Verse 18, the Bible says, And one of them, whose name was Cleos, answered and said unto him, Are you only a stranger in Jerusalem, and had you not known the things which are come to pass these days? And he said unto them, What thing? Now, if they had known that this was the Lord, their response would have been totally different. Okay? Mm-hmm. But we're going to look at the war that was going on in between them a little later. And the Bible says, and they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been him that should have redeemed Israel, and besides all of this, today is the third day, these things were done. He said, yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher, when they found not his body, they came saying that they have also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it not, 
Even so, women have said, but they saw him not. So they began to tell him of everything that just transpired, that he was crucified, raised from the dead. People said they saw him alive. It's the third day. He said he was going to rise, and lots been going on. In verse 25, this is what he said. He said, O fools, and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to have entered into his glory. So this is Jesus talking about himself, but they don't know that he's talking to them. But notice he told them this in verse 25. He said that they were slow of heart to believe. Okay? And when God is witnessing to our spirit, y'all, we can't be slow of heart to believe. Because if we began to be slow of heart to believe, then, you know, the moment can pass. And the time for obedience can, you know, it can be, you know, outdone. And, you know, we may not be able to just do it. You know, sometimes God calls for immediate obedience and acting on that which we know. Praise God. And the Bible says, At beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. 28. And they drew nigh unto the village, whether they went. And he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. This is what God began to do to me in dreams. He would appear to me like this and disappear. And the purpose was to get me to, uh, to pay attention to the inward witness and to know him. Last little part, and we'll close. And they said unto one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? So Jesus appeared to them as a stranger. But the entire time, y'all, their spirit was bearing witness that, hey, it's something different about this guy. Their spirit knew that it was the Lord. But because he looked different on the outside, they didn't want to accept it and embrace it. And so they kept carrying on as normal. So they were in a war between what they knew on the inside because their spirit was burning on the inside, which means that this was the witness of truth. This was, God, this was God's inspiration on the inside of them saying, hey, this is me. This is, this is God. This is right. This is, you know, this is me speaking. But they were acting as if that wasn't happening because he looked different on the outside. And they were listening to his voice speaking as if he was not him. And this was all, listen, y'all, a teaching session to help them grow and to learn how to be led by the Spirit from the inside. And it wasn't until after he took the bread, broke it, lifted it up to heaven and blessed it, that they knew that the scales were removed, that they were truly in the presence of the Lord, and that understanding came. Because this was something that he would do with them when he was alive with them on the earth. Every time they would eat, he would lift up the bread. Break it and bless it and divide it. But I want you to see the inner witness of the Holy Ghost because the inner witness of the Holy Ghost is also an inner burning. When you know God is speaking to you and when you know that God is telling you to do something, then, then some, there, there are a lot of times you'll begin to get a certain joy on the inside, a burning, a peace, a warmth, a love. And this is what they were experiencing. They were experiencing the burning of the Lord, the passion 
was rising within them on the inside. It just felt so right on the inside. They knew it was the Lord. Okay. And this is where God wants us to operate. Okay. And I just leave y'all with this just in, you know, in closing, that when it comes to this leading, it is the most, you can say, challenging area to develop because it takes work, it takes intention, it takes being able to shut TVs off, social media or the voices. It takes being able to renew your mind, you know, in order to, to take control of your thoughts and not allow your thoughts to talk you out of what God is speaking to your spirit. Everybody has to work their way from the outer court to the inner court, you know. And, but as you begin to do these things, it makes being, and it's worth it, it makes being able to be led by the auction uh, a whole lot easier. You have a right to be led by the knowing of the Holy Ghost. You have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. He didn't say you understand all things. He said you know all things. You know what you need to do. You know what the will of the Lord is. You have direction. You have insight. You have guidance. You have access. Okay? You have it now because his spirit dwells in you. You just got to trust it. You just have to trust him on the inside. You can't have more faith in the enemy's ability to deceive you than you do in God's ability and willingness to lead you. He dwells within. And listen, it, just because you may sin or you may have struggles, just because you may have issues or you may not be perfect when it comes to your flesh, does not mean, this does not disqualify you from being led by the inner witness. The leadership of the inner witness is yours by birthright. Once you become born again, this is something that cannot be taken from you. And so we have the ability to know him. Praise God. Okay. So God bless everyone. Praise God. I pray that the teaching helped bring some understanding. I know we hit a lot of areas that with the conscience, with the heart, with the spirit, with being one with him. Uh, heart being sprinkled from an evil conscience, the inner witness, the unction from the Holy One, uh, bearing witness of our spirit, you know, testifying the truth, him standing up. You know, but it's important to understand the war between the mind and the spirit or the mind and the heart. See, a lot of people, I'm going to say this right quick, a lot of people will tell you that the heart is evil and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay. Well, that's not true when it comes to the new covenant believer because the new covenant believer, he said, listen, the covenant will come and the days will come when I will make a new covenant. I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And he said that I will write my commandments and my laws upon the tables of your heart. So the heart is desperately wicked in the Old Testament because these people were still born in sin and shaped in iniquity. They were up under the Old Covenant, and their, their nature was still sinful and unregenerated. Now, as new creatures in Christ, that no longer applies to us. I, your heart is not wicked in Christ. Amen? Y'all with me? Amen. Your heart is not wicked in Christ, which means that you can trust it because he leads you from that place. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Who's given unto you? Okay? And also in John, 1 John chapter 3, he said, if our heart condemns us, then God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. Your heart will tell you and lead you into what's right. 
because your heart has been redeemed and restored. Okay? Hebrews chapter 12, that same verse, verse 10, chapter 10, verse 22, says that your heart has been sprinkled from an evil conscience. So your heart has been made good, and it's no longer evil. Amen. So that is a credible and a safe place to hear God speak to you in. That's why they said, did not our heart burn within us the entire time that he was with us? They just hadn't learned to trust him down there yet. Amen? Amen. So look deep down on the inside. You've been washed. You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You've been made new. Now, why in the world? How in the world? What type of doctrine would think that God will, that we could be born again and that he would make us new creatures in him and still leave our heart wicked? It doesn't make sense. Even in the natural, without those scriptures that I shared, it just doesn't make sense. Because it's not, it's in its proper context, it's not true. Your heart becomes a safe place to hear God's voice in and to be led by him as a born-again believer. Outside of Christ, it's not. But in Christ, it is. Okay? Well, God bless everyone. Praise God. Amen. Well, with that being said, we're going to conclude that one. I pray that something was shared that will bring some type of uh, understanding, or that could at least cause you to look at things from a different angle or a different perspective. Just shine a different light on some stuff, praise God. Most of all, that it helps you trust what he's speaking and witnessing to your spirit. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, before we close out, if uh, anybody have any questions or any thoughts, any comments, or or anything that wasn't clear, anything you'd like to share. Praise God. So don't stress yourself out, pull your hair out, because you don't hear audible voices. Pay attention to this. Cultivate this. Grow in this. Develop in this. This is how he leads us and guides us in all truth, through the inner witness. And listen, y'all, even though it's not as dramatic as some of the other things that we're going to study, it's just as credible. And listen, and even more credible. Because remember I said, the inner witness of the Holy Ghost speaking to your spirit becomes the purest form of communication from heaven to you. The most unadulterated, the most untainted, and it be, it's the purest form of communication because it's right there. I mean, the Holy Spirit is joined with your spirit. That one. And so when he witnesses something and tells you this is what it is, and that's what it is. Taste clothes. Don't go trying to figure it out. Don't go trying to add to it. Don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Don't you talk yourself out of it. Let God be true and every man a liar, even Mm -hmm. if that man is me and you. Mm -hmm. Praise God. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We just give you praise for everyone here. And God, we thank you that you love us so much, God. And, God, there are many days that we have struggled over being able to hear your voice. And, Father, I know, God, from the witness of your spirit that there are many on this line, God, who even feel left out, who wonder if they'll ever hear your voice. 
because they have not experienced, God, some of the more or dramatic ways, God, of, of speaking and communicating. But, Lord, I thank you, Father, that you would show your people the beauty of the witness of truth and how, Father, you do not have respect to person when it comes to your children. And, Lord, that you love to speak to us all. And, Father, that you are presently speaking, God, to us each and every day. Father, help us, God, to recognize when our hearts are burning within us. Help us to rest in the inner communication of the Holy Ghost. As your spirit bears witness with our spirit, God, allow, give us the confidence and the faith, God, to step out on faith and to honor it, to respect it, to get in agreement. Help us, God, to not, Lord, talk ourselves out of it, to not allow the enemy to steal the word that's being sown in our heart by your voice. Father, help us, God, to develop in faith and confidence, God, to be led from this arena. We know, Father, that it is the inspiration of the Almighty that gives us understanding. And, Father, I'm just decreeing for everyone, God, that we will increase, God, in this grace, in this gift, God, in this ability, God, to know you. God, we thank you, Father, that we will not be moved by the clutter. Father, we will not feel as if we are inferior. Father, we will not feel as if we have been rejected by you. But, God, we know according to your word that you have given us the spirit, God, whereby we cry out of Father. God, and, Father, we rebuke, God, we cast off the spirit of bondage again to fear. Father, we will not fear being led astray, God. Father, we will not try to assess whether you speak to us based upon our actions, God, or our own worth, God, or our own holiness or righteousness. But, Lord, you speak to us because you love us and because we're your children, God. And, Father, you won't stop speaking, God. So my prayer is that the voice of you, God, will become clearer and clearer to your people each and every day. I pray, Father, that the whisper, God, will be louder than the clamor, God, that they hear without in Jesus' name. Cause the whisper, God, to roar within them in Jesus' name. Father, remove, God, every insecurity, every wall that has been disrupted. Father, we command to crumble, God. And, Father, allow nothing to separate, God, from the witness of truth, God. And as you stand up within them, God, on the inside, I pray that you grant them the courage, God, grant them the heart, God, to obey what they know on the inside, the unction from the Holy One. Cause them to recognize that anointing on the inside, God, that lets us know, God, what to do, God, when to do, how to do, God, in Jesus' name, God. We decree that we're your children. We decree that we're led by you, God, and we decree that we're born of you, God, and we thank you, Father. We give you glory for your awesome love and for your awesome grace. In Jesus' name, we thank you, and we do pray. Amen.